the new couple on everyone's mind, sexual assault allegations against fashion designer Alexander Wang, the gentrification of Mahjong, and the period drama that has the internet in a fluster. You're listening to Media Slashies Maggie and Jasmine, and this is season two of our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Turbal, and Bunwurrung people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work, and record this podcast. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back, everybody, to Season 2 of Culture Club. We're so glad that we're back in our seats in front of our microphones and that you're here listening along. It might be a little bit awkward. We're so not used to this. Oh, God. It's been a while. We've already forgotten how to do this. But how was your Christmas and New Year? We've barely spoken. I know. It was so lovely. I think for a good, like, 10 days after Christmas, I was still full. Like, I was still recovering. What about you? Yeah, me too. I had the most relaxed Christmas I've had in ages. My friend Emma, she lives in Perth and was meant to go back to our hometown in Coffs Harbour, New South Wales for Christmas to see her parents. But obviously, sadly, um, New South Wales shut their borders or Perth shut their borders to New South Wales. So she came to us for Christmas, which was so, so special because I haven't seen her in a year. And her and her partner came over and we just played board games and ate lots of yummy food. Her partner is American and he cooked us um, sweet potato pie on Christmas Day. Oh amazing it's very different makes such good pie like their sweet pie was it a sweet pie or savory sweet well it's a thing like I thought it was going to be like a pumpkin pie you know like in Gossip Girl Thanksgiving episodes Mm. where they have like it's like a pie like an apple pie with a crust on it right Mm. but Mm. this one is just mashed sweet potato with sugar pecans or pecan as they say and like cinnamon on top and you just cook it in the oven and you have it with the main course so it's like a sweet really? mashed potato dish that we had with like the broccoli and the potatoes and the roast or whatever. So yeah, it was really interesting. Um, so that was fun. Tried something new. And then apart from that, I've just been like reading, roller skating, just really like actually having a break because I felt so like many people, I'm sure, felt just so burnt out and so exhausted by last year that I basically switched off, yeah. barely even wrote anything. <laughs> um but now this week it's taken me so long to get back into the swing of things do you feel the same like 100 percent. I don't remember the long like the last time I've had a break as long as this one I made a conscious effort to like not do any work I actually house sat for a friend up near Brunswick and I was living that north side life you know um I'd go to this like one cafe every bloody morning to get a coffee and then I'd go to the op shops and just take a walk and take a stroll down and it was just so nice I've had moments of actually being bored in the past few weeks and I never get that feeling just because I'm always like, go, go, go. It's been nice being like, okay, what should I do this afternoon? Okay, I might read or whatever. Like that's so unusual for me, but I love it. I watch so much TV as well. Oh my gosh, we have to talk about that at the end of the episode, all the recommendations. Yeah, I feel the same. It was nice to just take my time doing things. And I was feeling very, very refreshed, very positive, very optimistic about this year for like the first four days. I booked my flight to come back to Melbourne, which is very exciting. And then at the end of the week, it all just like fell apart. 
with the news that there was the terrorist attack on the Capitol in the US, which is obviously major world news. Trump's been banned from Twitter. People have been arrested, (laughs) as they should be, for storming a federal building. And Brisbane has gone into a lockdown. So I'm currently in day two of a three-day lockdown, which of course is like nothing compared to what Victoria went through last year. And like, it's for precaution. It's because there's one case of the UK strain, but also it means that me coming back to Melbourne is up in the air currently. So yeah, I mean, I'm still very positive and optimistic about this year. Like that meme we posted on Instagram, I think it's what you make of it. And like, this is inspirational talk every day (laughs) is like a new day to kind of build a life you want and like, take the opportunities that come to you. And I'm trying to get out of the mindset that, you know, everyone was blaming everything on 2020 last year. And I really don't want to get Mm -hmm. stuck into that, like, oh, 2021, like, here we go. So, yeah, that's me. Yeah. I also saw this tweet that was like, I can't believe it's the 42nd of December 2020 today because it just feels like, you know, a continuation of last year. But that's the thing. We can't really just blame a date, blame a year for everything that's been happening. You know, um, you also showed me that great tweet when the Capitol broke. He was like, wow, that like this is slowly what was it like been happening for four years yeah it was this has escalated steadily over four years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah I agree with that as well but it's just quite funny like how much has happened in the first week of 2021 we're like how we how are we even going to you know fit everything into a podcast episode yeah we really had to like figure out what we were doing this week because there were just so many topics but first up I want to talk about the biggest celebrity gossip of this week slash 2021, which is the news that Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are dating. Oh, not even like allegedly dating, not even rumored to be dating. You're very set with that. Oh, actually, well, this is what I want to talk about. What do we think? Do you think Mm -hmm. that this is legit? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, I only really saw first that one photo of them at a wedding, right? And she was in that beautiful Gucci gown and he was in that suit with the little flared pants, you know, very, very chic. So I only saw that photo where they're holding hands. And then I saw a couple emerge from like them on set kind of cozy and then her kind of was it like she was like outside of his like LA home or something like that like she was seeing near there as well so I've only seen a few photos and like is that enough like is that enough to tell I don't, I don't know I don't know I think there were some very valid points brought up this week over the double standard between one picture at the time of Olivia and Harry at the wedding and everyone's like Harry's new girl, blah, 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 versus like Lizzo literally twerking on him on stage, them hugging, them holding hands, you know, all these pictures of them together. And there's like, mm-hmm. oh, we love their friendship. I think yeah. um, that was actually quite racist and fat phobic, to be of honest. Course. But I don't know if I, if this is legit. I've been on TikTok a lot over the summer break. The fandom is going wild over these allegations with not just about Harry and Olivia potentially dating, but people have been calling him out on TikTok for not wearing a mask properly, Mm. that down over his chin, slash wearing a bandana, being out with his friends, going to this wedding in 
California, where one in 24 people have COVID. On the 8th of January, there were 50,923 new cases diagnosed in one day. So people have been quite funnily like making videos about, you know, him not social distancing and stuff. But in the same fandom, they've also been like the FBI and they've noted that the pictures of Harry in the bandana with Olivia, the paparazzi company that was used has this like section where you can buy pictures and where you can kind of stage things that pictures them outside a restaurant or in a restaurant. That restaurant has been closed since like the 6th of December. And now these pictures are released middle of January. Like people are like, what's going on? Is this legit? But also, why would he need PR? Why would him and Olivia need PR? Well, I feel like it's not their call either. So that's so interesting. We love FBI TikTok. I hadn't seen all this. Um, so, okay, one, about the paparazzi company that, you know, have a section about stage photos. I would like to, I think, like, most companies have that. So, like, let's just, maybe that's a thing that most paparazzi companies have because we see that a lot in, like, I don't know, Daily Mail or something. Not that I've ever actually clicked on their site. Um, but also about the PR, it could be like organized for the movie. I don't know. I'm trying to put my detective skills on, but, but you're right because people who care about them already know about it. So like who's this new audience they're trying to draw and attract? Exactly. And why would one of the biggest pop stars is one of the biggest fandoms need PR for a movie that he's in with Florence Pugh, who's like also a mega star. Yeah. I think if the film was about them, I don't know, sitting on a beach together for two hours, people would still pay to watch that mm-hmm. just because of their star mm-hmm. power. So why are they trying to get people to go to see the movie? It's all very odd, but I think yeah. who knows if they're together or not. Everyone has theories. It's their business at the end of the day. But also I think it's funny that she was on the OC Dating, I was just going to say that. Dating um, <laughs> Seth Cohen and Marissa Cooper. And Marissa. And now she's got Harry. Like, oh, my God, winning. I literally did not know that was her. Like, I had no clue that that was Olivia Wilde. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, also, I have something else to add. This is so random, but I was thinking about it yesterday, right? Is this just a me thing or do other people have this? Do you have food that you associate with certain TV shows or movies? So let me, let me explain. So when I, when I was watching the OC a lot last year, right? I was constantly eating like sourdough bread with um, balsamic vinegar and olive oil with like salt. And then now, okay. And then a little while back when I was watching Kim's Convenience, I was having this specific nut packet that I was always eating when I was watching that. Like I have shows that I just associate with foods that I was eating at that period of time. That's so interesting. I mean, I do that with music, like because I, I make playlists on my Spotify oh, yeah. with mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. January 2020, January 21, whatever. And then when I go back and listen to those songs, I'm like in that month and like I remember everything yeah. that happened. But I think that's more common than associating it with food. Does anyone else do that? It should um, jump in our DMs tell and me. tell Maggie that she's not alone. I personally don't. Um, although the past two days I've had like a block of hay tiger chocolate per day that you sent me as a, my prize for winning last episode's quiz. Uh, that's amazing. But no, I don't know if I snack enough to associate. Yeah. I like fixate on specific foods for like some periods of time. So I think that's why. Um, but anyway, 
That's so interesting. I wonder if that's like a Pisces thing or like a personality trait. It must be. Yeah. I want to see if anyone else does it too. Before we jump into this topic, we'll just like to put a trigger warning here for sexual assault. We'll put resources in our show notes if you'd like to talk to someone about these issues. On the 12th of December, model Owen Mooney posted a video on TikTok about an alleged incident of sexual assault where a really famous fashion designer groped him at a party in 2017. It turns out that this fashion designer was Alexander Wang. It's been picked up by fashion call-out account Diet Prada, as well as ship model management. Allegations from mostly trans and queer men have emerged in the days since. Here's a snippet of Mooney's video. In 2017, I was in a club in New York City, and... um. Me and a bunch of mates, we went to watch the rapper Cupcake and the club was just like hectic. It was so packed. You could not move. And I was like by myself at one point and this guy next to me obviously like took advantage of the fact that no one could fucking move. And he just started like touching me up and like fully like up my leg, like in my crotch. Like it made me like freeze completely because I was in so much shock. And then I looked to my left to see who it was, and it was this really famous fashion designer. And, like, I just couldn't believe that he was doing that to me. It just made me even go into even more shock. This has been really big news, especially within the fashion industry for the past two weeks, but I feel like it has been overshadowed by Christmas, New Year, and the Capitol attack and all of the Donald Trump things. And I feel like we shouldn't let this new story go just yet because this is like a very serious allegations and that's right um there's several comments that i read as well that kind of i feel like people not exactly downplaying um the incidents but i guess because wang isn't what you picture i guess as your typical predator that most people have kind of underplayed his actions you know he's a very successful chinese american designer someone that i used to really look up to and really you know like his designs um and I guess it's it's weird I feel like there's a lot of diet prada posts which are like all the celebrities staying quiet after their friends like their friend is called out um for being a sexual assault perpetrator um you know and it's just people didn't want to believe it I guess his friends in very like elite circle he's friends with celebrities he is I guess, a well-liked person or well-known person in the fashion industry. Um, I don't know. The response has been interesting from the actual like fashion industry and even some um, publications like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar were quite late to publish stories about this as well, which was interesting. A lot of more independent or small publications reported on it before them. Yeah, it has been very interesting and I think it's, a good point to make about how the media and people's criticism, how it's been played out versus if this were, were women coming out with allegations. Like mm-hmm. I don't think the response would have been what it is if say Bella or Gigi Hadid had come out and said, Alexander Wang, Wang assaulted me in a club. Like it would be a completely different story. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because usually with these things, it's the other way around, right? Like, women aren't believed majority of the time and now that it's men whether they're queer or trans 
coming out and saying these things, like why isn't this a bigger news story? In late 2019, Azalea Banks um, posted a lot of like testimonies or accusations from yeah mostly trans people um, about what Alexander Wang had allegedly done to them or people they had known. Um, and I don't know if I wasn't like in the right circles at, at that time, but I didn't hear anything about that. So this has been the first I've heard of it, but a lot of people being like, oh, these allegations have been going for ages. Like we all know his shit, but I'm like, oh, I, I hadn't heard anything. Well, he posted a lot of really dodgy memes that Diet Prada was sharing mm-hmm. like on his, I think it's on his personal account, but you know, memes about um, when you wake up from a party, you don't know where you are or like the sign of a good night with mm-hmm. like, you know, waking up naked in bed and like, it's things like that, that. Are just so unprofessional for one, but also like very, um, very much emphasizing rape culture. And it's kind of the thing of like, just because you're a gay man doesn't mean you should be able to get away with perpetuating rape culture. Mm. Um, so I think Diet Prada is such like an amazing resource at the moment for just getting these stories out in the open. Yeah, he's done a lot of gross things. Um, he cast R. Kelly in one of his campaigns and he also did this really strange collab with a like condom company and like the slogan was protect your wang, which just really feels icky um, after all these allegations have come about as well. Yeah, I think at the time though that was like very, you know, before the allegations came out, I would think, oh, that's great, like, um, yeah. you know, obviously he's like very well known in the queer community and he's protecting against, you know, STDs and it's a funny mm. play on words given his name. Um, mm. but yeah, afterwards you're kind of like, Ooh, especially yeah. the R Kelly thing. I can't believe that he wasn't kind of called out more for that because that was only what, 2017. Yeah. So early in 17. And also that was when Owen is saying that Alexander Wang assaulted him in 2017. So very dodgy but on new year's eve alexander wang came out saying that these allegations are all false so this was his statement over the last few days i have been on the receiving end of baseless and grotesquely false accusations these claims have been wrongfully amplified by social media accounts infamous for posting defamatory material from undisclosed and or anonymous sources with zero evidence or any fact-checking whatsoever. Seeing these lies about me being perpetrated as truths has been infuriating. I have never engaged in the atrocious behaviour described and would never conduct myself in the manner that's been alleged. I intend to get to the bottom of this and hold accountable whoever is responsible for originating these claims and viciously spreading them online. That was also posted on Diet Prada and their caption is read the room at Alexander Wang. So... (laughs) Yeah, that was a very disappointing statement, basically just trying to shut it all down. I think that's maybe that's I think that also is why this story has been a bit quieter than usual on top of it being overshadowed by other news is that I think he's going to like go for these people and like I think there's going to be lawsuits and stuff. Well, yeah, that's what I've read as well because Owen Mooney has been the only model that's actually come out with his full name um, and a few people who have made or published like 
allegations have actually withdrawn them just because um, of the threat of legal action, you know. Um, one, financially, that is a big cost. And secondly, like having their name in the industry um, being tarnished in this way is also a, like a threat, to, again, to the career, which relates to their like financial standings and whatnot. But that's so sad. Like that's what's wrong with it is yeah. that these are people are victims and by you saying their career is going to be tarnished, like it obviously shouldn't be mm. that way, but sadly it is. Just going back to the double standard of the Me Too movement um, and if women came out about this, Owen has come out making a new hashtag relating to Me Too called hashtag us too. He says, the silence of the fashion industry and Hollywood in general is quite deafening. In an era of Me Too and the solidarity victims receive from Hollywood, where is the same support for the victims of Wang? This is why so many accusations of his get brushed under the rug, along with other accusations of prominent figures in fashion for that matter. I can't help but question if this has something to do with this being about men, queer and trans people. Does the ideology that we are not victims of sexual assault exist? What would the response be if a world-renowned fashion designer was drugging and sexually assaulting cis women? Well, we've seen it happen with me too. How about us too? Because there is no shame in coming forward and pointing to your assaulter. We need to be taken more seriously. This happens to us too and the response should be equal. I think this is a very big moment um, and it's kind of continuing on from the massive exposing of predators and assaulters in Hollywood and just in these like celebrity circles. This has been, Me Too was started like seven, 2017 as well. We're moving into like nearly the fifth year of this movement and I think there should be more space and more listening to victims that aren't just cis mostly straight women especially in the fashion industry as well so you know through reading books like the most beautiful job in the world by julia mensidieri and even here in australia the fashion editor at the age melissa singer i think she wrote an article kind of about the me too movement in relation to australia's fashion industry I'll link that in the show notes. But I think there definitely needs to be talk about this. Actually, it reminds me of um, M. Rada's essay as well. Yeah, we need to talk about this because a lot of the time, while the modeling industry may, may be made up of like young cis like white women it also encapsulates a lot of like queer men trans people um who yeah need to be taken seriously as well i think there's such shame and taboo um cloaked around men's abuse so totally i'm really glad that owen spoke out about this yeah it's super important and we hope that the victims get the justice they deserve i think alexander wang's statement was so just ridiculous because why would these people it's the same argument of like why do women come forward like why would people lie about this why would people lie about being drugged and assaulted like for what because like you said it's so easy for your career to be tarnished or for people to be like nervous around you for being a whistleblower in the industry so yeah I think it's ridiculous that he's saying this is all false because why would these people do this of course Owen's not alone in this situation men can definitely be victims too so let's hope that justice can be served here In other news, 
A new board game was released this week by a company called The Mahjong Line. It was created by three white women who sought to refresh the traditional game of Mahjong that has been around since the mid to late 1800s. So Mahjong is a traditional Chinese game that's been adored by Chinese communities for decades. However, these three white women decided it wasn't true to their style and it didn't capture the fun that they had while playing it. So weirdly, they kind of said that the traditional tiles were too hard to understand. So they kind of just changed them up so that the the flower plant became cooking flower. Bamboo is now bams and Chinese characters were also replaced with little lightning bolts and also like croissants. There were some croissants on the tiles as well. Um, they say that they're now modern for legibility because it was really hard to read the old ones. Um, they've also got different names. So there's different lines of the games. There's the minimal line, the botanical line and the cheeky line. And in the cheeky line, there are whoopee cushion tiles. Like, how disrespectful can you be? Whoopee cushion lines? What? Like, what the hell? And also, they go for between $325 and $425. What? And that's USD as well. Like, that is so much money. So, obviously, this set the internet ablaze with many people calling them out appropriately for cultural appropriation. We haven't mentioned where these women are from. They're from Texas in the US. They are not Chinese American, are they? They're just American women. And since they were called out on Diet Prada, again, referencing this call out account, um, they have posted an apology, updated much of the language on the website and also removed a photo of the three white women from their about page, but they haven't stopped selling any of the games. So the company said, While our intent is to inspire and engage with a new generation of American Mahjong players, we recognize our failure to pay proper homage to the game's Chinese heritage. Using words like refresh were hurtful to many and we are deeply sorry. We are open to constructive criticism and are continuing to conduct conversations with those who can provide further insight to the game's traditions and roots in both Chinese and American cultures. Okay, if they were going to be open about constructive criticism, they wouldn't have turned off their comments. And also, I saw a lot of people, you know, send them emails or try to get in touch with them. Apparently, their Facebook page couldn't be found after a while as well. So I don't know. And the fact that they're still selling the product kind of seems like they're just trying to use this PR for good. Like if you were truly sorry, you would probably recognize that the actual product is a problem not just your copy the way they have gone about creating it is a problem and I despise when people say uh, this is quoted from the apology quote we never set out to ignore or misrepresent the origins of this game of course you're not trying to be disrespectful consciously but just like the audacity of saying that hey let's make this cooler let's make this more stylish to suit our needs is just so selfish it's just peak cultural appropriation. Like, I don't understand how they got to that point. They would have had to have teams to, you know, get mm. funding to, I don't know who these women are, like if they are wealthy and could just do it all themselves and then just put it out into the world. But like they're selling these lines for hundreds of dollars. Like they had to have manufacturers and like copyright teams and all these things. And I just don't understand how they got to the point where they were selling them. And then we're like, 
oh, well, even then they didn't come to that of their own accord. They were told like, this is wrong. The fact that they are still selling them is just so odd. There was a great post I saw on Facebook by the love life of an Asian guy. um, And I'm going to read some of it out. There's an entire economy of white businesses that routinely rip off POC cultures. They pick an existing idea done by POC. Then they slap on some love, laugh, learn branding for the added Caucasian effect. They do it because there's a general market of culturally bankrupt white people who want the experience of enjoying ethnic cultures without the constant reminder that they're just an outsider looking in. They want the illusion of a POC experience, but with them at the center of the story. They're in the business of making luxury white people versions of POC culture. So true. And no one's saying that white people can't play this game, right? Like Exactly. They're not exactly excluded from playing. Like they can pl- they can buy a mahjong set from anywhere and buy but like the fact that they've rebranded a whole culture like a game that's 200 years old is just so privileged. I just I'm laughing just because like oh my god it's just like the most ridiculous story mm-hmm, to end with, mm-hmm. like to end the year, last year with <laughs> right um apparently this game is also popular among Jewish communities which makes me so happy and that's a thing we're not saying you can't play it but the fact that they're like oh sorry your version's not good enough for us we need to revamp it and kind of whiteify it you know i saw a funniest comment that was like it said a group of karens is called a privilege like a privilege of karens i love that (laughs) which is true because like who would have thought to do that i just don't know yeah i'm kind of just like what world are they in that three women can have that the fact that yeah they can all go through or probably months maybe years of like planning this product getting it out into shelves online and then being like oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) how did this story make you feel like so personally I've never played mahjong so it wasn't something that was completely dear to me I just it was almost more funny like I understand why you're laughing just because I'm like are you serious it was more ridiculous than anything um I'm also glad that I did see a lot of support from not only the Asian communities but also like non-Asians also kind of finding this ridiculous I think a lot of the time with cultural appropriation you're very unsure or I am actually um I'm very unsure if I'm overreacting or being too sensitive so I think seeing this kind of anger um, that's kind of been incited around the globe is kind of reassuring just to know that I'm not alone in these thoughts. Jasmine what is your first recommendation of 2021? So I watched quite a lot of things. I consumed quite a lot of media over the Christmas break. But a highlight that I wanted to talk about when I saw it is the new Disney Plus film released on Christmas Day called Soul. So this movie went straight to streaming. It wasn't released in the movies because of COVID. And the official synopsis is... A musician who has lost his passion for music is transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. So it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without spoilers, but it's basically an imaginative look at what happens to us when we die and when we're being born. So the kind of thinking is, you know, we all have a soul inside of us and you have a soul who's like a baby soul before you're born 
and you have to like tick all these boxes, pass this test to be able to, you have to find your spark. And once you found your spark in this like imaginary soul world, then you're ready to go down to earth and have your human experience. And then when you die, you go back up to that same place and you can become like a mentor to the baby souls. So it's quite sweet. Um, Jamie Foxx stars as the main character, Joe Gardner, the musician, and Tina Fey is the voice of a little lost soul called 22, who's yet to be born in the world because she hasn't found her spark. So she's like the oldest. 22. Um, yeah, she's the oldest. Well, not the oldest age-wise, but like she can't pass a test and she hasn't found anything. She's she's like perpetually stuck in this soul world. So when I was watching it, I first, I had no idea what it was about at all. Like I hadn't read any reviews. I just watched it. And as it was starting, I was thinking, oh, I really hope this isn't a capitalistic movie because the way they're talking about some people's sparks, I was like, is this just going to be people's modes of production? Like in the society, like is is it going to say that we all need something to do and have purpose in our life? But it's actually a really good reminder that we can just do things for enjoyment and not everyone's spark and thing that brings them to earth is going to be their job that they do nine to five. So it's a good reminder that we can just do things for enjoyment and not everyone's spark is going to be their nine to five job and that your purpose on earth doesn't have to be what you do for work. So I thought that was a very great point, especially with the way the world is at the moment with like job loss across the globe for COVID and people questioning like lots of things. I think it was a very poignant movie. I cried so much at the end. I mean, I was PMSing, but (laughs) I think like it was a really beautiful story, Um, really heartwarming. However, since I finished it, I have read some criticism over the fact that the main character is black and for most of the film, he's either a little blue soul or a cat. He embodies a cat at one point. Um, Many people of colour on the internet were saying that just for once they'd like an animated film to feature black characters who for the whole time, aren't being turned into animals. So, for example, you've got Disney's The Princess and the Frog or Spies in Disguise when Will Smith's character turns into a pigeon for most of the movie. I read that a critic noted that Joe is in his own body of a black man for about 20 minutes of the whole film. So he's depicted as black barely any of the movie. So I think that was like such a valid criticism and something that as a white person I didn't even think about when I was watching it. Um... So, yeah, that's interesting and I hope that this – it's just so silly that we have to be like, I hope this means that, like, they'll animate more characters who are black for, like, the whole movie, like, bare minimums. But, yeah, it was interesting reading those perspectives when I really enjoyed it. Um, But overall, I think it's a really heartwarming, feel-good story, makes me feel better about just, like, work and, like, what your purpose is, blah, blah, blah. And it's a bit existential as well. So, yeah, I – definitely rate that movie i've been seeing so many rave reviews of this movie so i am so excited to watch it it sounds incredible so i'm glad it's got your tick of approval because as you know i watch everything you recommend (laughs) oh yeah it's good it ties into my one yeah what's yours a couple weeks ago i don't know if you recommended it or we were just talking about it um about time that movie that you love right i love it and i 
I need to rectify what I said because I remember when you were talking about it, I was like, oh my God, yes, this is my favorite rom-com ever. But actually what I was talking about was The Vow, <laughs> which is like so different. So before I get into The Vow, I just want to say um, I have seen about time and I did enjoy it a lot, but I tried to rewatch it with my boyfriend who hadn't seen it before and we had to stop halfway through because he was like this is so problematic like it was and as soon as he as soon as he pointed it out I was like yeah this movie is quite because the guy is so manipulative and he like stalks the girl and he like uses like I don't know it just it feels wrong and I know you love this movie and again I know rom-coms aren't supposed to be super woke but we had to stop watching it (laughs) uh i see where you're coming or you and tom are coming from because like it is kind of like the way he like sits at the uh at the art gallery and like um yeah kind of changes time to be with her but i think it's a richard curtis movie so he wrote love actually um which is always seen now as like every christmas is a think piece about it being problematic and about (laughs) the fact that you know, the guy falls in love with his best friend's girlfriend and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's like also it came out maybe like seven years ago now. Um, But I think we're meant Mm. to see it as romantic. I don't know. Anyway, so I see where you're coming from, but I still, it's still one of my favorite movies. (laughs) But you like The Vow. Yeah, I love The Vow so much. So this movie came out in 2012 and it's based off a Nicholas Sparks book, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and this one stars Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams. So, you know, she's in both. And I love it. Like, oh, it's such a great movie. The general synopsis is basically like the girl is in a car accident and she loses like some of her memory. Um, and then she, actually, she loses memory of meeting her husband, Channing Tatum. Um, so it's just about, you know, them trying to find love again whatever have you seen this yeah i saw it when i, I think yeah. i saw it at the movies yeah when it came out it's so sweet it's so sad though i cry every time mm. yeah i i rewatched it and it did not disappoint so i just want to put that out there yeah that's a good movie i love that like you've probably been consuming like lots of tv shows or movies and like you choose one from 2012 i love that <laughs> I know. Okay, well, let's talk about something way more current and hip and up to date, which is Bridgerton. Yeah, so we're both recommending this this week. Uh, And if you haven't heard about it, you've probably been off the internet for like two weeks. But basically, it's a period drama gossip girl. I wanted to ask you about this because I remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about period dramas and you said you didn't like period dramas. So do you like this one? Yeah, right. This is the first ever like period drama TV show I've ever watched. And it did take me a little while to get into and I think their problems or I guess the plot points of a period drama are so different to like our normal lives so for instance a woman getting married is like the massive biggest pinnacle moment of her life whereas I'm like what Mm. (laughs) a little bit of a culture shock but I actually really enjoy it yeah I also like the way that this is finally a diverse period drama We've talked about race quite a lot in this episode, but um, yeah, the fact that there are black royalty is like so nice mm-hmm. to see. 
Um, I've only watched half of it so far. I'm like rationing it out because I'm really enjoying it. And I know I've seen people who've binged it in like a day or two really regretting it because they're like, <laughs> they need to like fill it with something else. Um, about what episode are you up to? Four. So I'm halfway. Have you been told that it's very raunchy? Have you seen Yes. It? I've been told it's really raunchy. I've only seen like maybe two sex scenes so far. So get ready. Okay. <laughs> We haven't really explained the plot that well, but yeah, basically it's about one main character, Daphne Bridgerton, and her family as she tries to find a husband because back in the 1800s in England, um, you know, people in the upper classes had to marry, well, anyone had to marry well, but especially in the upper classes, you had to marry and produce heirs and children it's got one of my new favorite actresses, Nicola Coughlin, who's an Irish actress, and she played Claire in Derry Girls. Have you seen Derry Girls? No, I haven't. Now she's playing um, one of the more younger girls in Bridgerton. What's crazy is she's 34 years old. It looks wow. like they're playing like 18, 17 year olds. Same with Eloise's uh-huh. character. Um, mm-hmm. She's also like in her early 30s, which is amazing. Not like not being age ageist or anything, like, but it's just crazy that they look so young (laughs) oh yeah I know hair and makeup do such a great job like so my thing I always do now after a series finishes and you like don't want it to finish you go on YouTube and watch all the interviews about the cast um so I did that and I definitely fell in love with Eloise's um like the actress that plays Eloise um I think her name's Claudia or something she doesn't have Instagram which really pisses me off all my favorite like actors don't which is annoying because I just want to stalk them and you know find out more um but yeah seeing them obviously out of hair and makeup they do look their age (laughs) which is so wild I think it's um so cool that transformations can happen like that looking at her name her name's Claudia Jessie Claudia Jessie yes she's so cool she's very funny she's very smart um in her interview she's she seems quite similar to Eloise and she admits that um, in one as well. I love that. Eloise is one of my favorite characters. So yeah, you'd obviously recommend this to listeners. Yeah. It was just so fun to watch. So I watched it all in two days. I can't believe so many people watched it in one day. I'm like, that's eight hours. Daphne Bridgerton's older brother, Anthony Bridgerton, is also played by Jonathan Bailey, who's a really great actor. And he was in a Netflix series. I think it's still on there. It's called Crashing. And that features Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who wrote and directed it before Fleabag. So that's like a really nice show if you're I mean it's not a period drama it's set in London in the modern day um Mm -hmm. but it's quite funny featuring those two actors as well so if you need a Phoebe Waller-Bridge slash um Anthony Bridgerton fix that's also a good one Oh, I can't believe I still haven't watched Fleabag. How ridiculous. Um I know I'm on Shits Creek at the moment which I'm loving um but definitely on my list and I should add crashing as well and crashing there's only a few episodes i think so it's hilarious mm. phoebe is amazing in that as always with that we are going to wrap up our first episode of 2021 and our first episode of season two we're super excited for this year and you know the guests we can chat to and i'll be back in melbourne eventually and we can actually record in the same room so yeah lots of exciting stuff happening thank you so much for listening to our chat this week let us know what you thought over on our instagram and we will catch you next week
拜拜，拜。